Hello, everyone. Welcome to Coaches on the Rise, the podcast for all coaches of all sports. I'm your host, Celia Slater. And today we got a little bonus podcast that we're throwing in here from my visit at Dartmouth College when I interviewed Buddy Tevens. Um, if you've had the pleasure of listening to that podcast that we released a couple weeks ago, um, this is a little bit of a bonus. And we wanted to introduce you to Jennifer King, who is Buddy's new female assistant coach. Um, she's kind of an assistant coach, but a positional coach for Dartmouth football, quality control on the offensive side. And she's got a really interesting path. Uh, she was a two-sport athlete at Guilford College. Um, she was coach of the year for women's basketball at Johnson & Wales, where she won a national championship. Um, she was a football player for a professional football player for 10 years, 10 different seasons. She was the first female intern for the Carolina Panthers. And now she finds herself on the college level working at Dartmouth College next to Buddy Tevens. Um, it's, a, it's a great little short interview and um, of her little insights on what it's like to be a female coaching in a very male environment. Um, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So on to the show. Well, hello, Jennifer King. Yes. All right, Jen. Well, do you go by Jen or Jennifer? Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter no. to you, right? <laughs> Depends where I am, what people call me. Yeah. So, yeah. so now you are, what is your official title here with Dartmouth Football? Uh, I don't even know if that's been worked out yet. <laughs> I, I kind of call myself an offensive assistant just because I, I help with the quality control guys and also I'm with the receiver group as well. Oh, great. Great, great, great. So, Jen, your path to Dartmouth um, Two-sport athlete at Guilford College, right? Basketball and softball. And coach of the year of women's basketball at Johnson & Wales. That's awesome. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> Football player for the New York Sharks for 10 seasons? Uh, I played with the Carolina Phoenix for 10 seasons, then with the New York Sharks for one, and just played with the D.C. Divas for one, too. Oh, well, wow, uh, fantastic. What's your position in football? Uh, I've been a quarterback and receiver most of my career. Um, this past year, I played more defense. I played mm -hmm. safety. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's awesome. And then you were the first female intern for the Carolina Panthers recently, and yeah. that was your most recent stint, right, in the, before you came here to Dartmouth. Yeah, well, actually, I was with them last year. Mm -hmm. um, that was my first time with them, uh, with the receiver group, and then uh, I just went back, and I was with the running backs before I came here. Oh, fantastic. So, you know, like this whole whirlwind thing. So clearly you wanted to be a coach, you yeah. know. So, like, yeah. do you remember at what point in your mind you went, I want to be a coach. I think it's the thing that, you know, you, you just love sports and you can't really see life without them. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the best way to stay involved. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought it was just to be a coach. And then, I mean, I had great coaches along the way and I know the impact they had on me. So, you know, it'd be great to have that same impact on somebody. Mm -hmm. And I know you're kind of new here and, and, you know, as far as our listeners are concerned, uh, these are coaches of all sports. Um, so why don't you tell them a little bit about how you got here? Like, what, what was that path like? Because there aren't many women in coaching football at the collegiate level. So, you know, congratulations on that. Um, but how did you get here? Um, 
I mean, it's been an interesting journey. You know, uh, obviously I was coaching college basketball for 10 years. And while I was doing that, uh, part of that time, I was a part-time assistant at Greensboro College. And I began coaching some football kind of on the side uh, at, at various levels, middle school, high school. And then uh, ultimately I got my head coaching job at Johnson & Wales. And the NFL started a uh, female form at the Pro Bowl in Orlando. And uh, I went down, I was selected to go, and I had a great opportunity there to, to meet a lot of people and actually met Coach Rivera from the Panthers there. And mm -hmm. at the time, you know, my Johnson & Wells office was literally 30 feet away from the, the Panthers practice field. But, you know, obviously there's a big gate around it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I made sure that I would, you know, get to meet him and introduce myself to him. And we kind of hit it off, and he invited me over to their rookie minicamp, which is right after the draft. And things went really well. And after that, I just kind of kept getting invited back. So there was minicamp and then OTAs. And then ultimately he invited me to training camp, which was big for me um, in growth, uh, mm -hmm. growth-wise. I was working with the wide receiver group, and that went well. I was there through the preseason, so I was with them for about four months. So that was, you know, invaluable experience to be with them. And, you know, they're a great group of guys. And went back to, you know, my head coaching basketball job. And uh, at that time, you know, we, we were coming off a national championship, so obviously expectations are high and things are going well. And then – Around uh, November, Coach Rick Neuheisel um, called me, and he was the new head coach of the Arizona Hotshots in the new uh, AAF Professional Football League. And, um, you know, the Panthers had given him a, a really good recommendation, and he ultimately offered me a position on his staff. So, um, I mean, it was obviously a tough decision just because of the team we had. But in the game right before Thanksgiving was my last game coaching, you know, uh, college basketball, and, you know, we had a – a, you know, emotional locker room, but I think that they understood, you know, my my passion for football, and you know, everyone wished me well. Obviously, I wished them well. I still keep in touch with you know my girls from from basketball, but went to Arizona. I had a great experience, and um, you know, unfortunately, the league ended a little early, and I came back. And once I came back, I reached back out to Coach Rivera, and he welcomed me back to the Panthers. So I ended up going back out there in May with the running backs this time, and um, you know, I was there all the way through September. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, got a call from Dartmouth. <laughs> and that's kind of how I ended up here. You know, there's mm -hmm. been a lot going on, but, um, you know, I'm definitely happy to be here. So are you just in this situation where you can move anywhere, huh? Right. Clearly I mean, you've been around the country in, in several different um, positions. Mm -hmm. So when you look at women coaching overall, because you've been in it for a while and done had great success, are you, are you familiar with the statistics around women and like how women only coach 40%, 42% of the women's teams right now, probably closer to 40% at this point, and then they coach less than 5% of the men's teams? Um, what do you think it is? Like, do you have a philosophy or, or an opinion around why do you think we're having a hard time keeping women in coaching? You know, I really don't know. And I think it was more surprising, obviously, on the basketball side to see so many men coaching women's basketball. Um, and obviously, I, my boss was a man, you know, all of my years as an assistant. I never had worked for a female head coach. And, um, I mean, obviously, you know, it was fine. But it was interesting to see as you look around the country, some of the bigger teams um, in the country are coached by guys. And I don't know. I really don't know why. And, you know, it's something we talked about sometimes, but no one could really have a good theory as to why. And it's, it's funny, the questions I think you get as a female coach coaching men 
that I'm sure men coaches never get yeah. coaching women. You know, like someone asked me, do I go in the locker room? I, I have to. That's where the players are, you know. And I, <laughs> no one ever asks any of my bosses, do they go into the locker room? You know, it's just kind of weird. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think, I mean, in your experience, because obviously you're coaching the women's basketball team, and then you come over here and coaching the men, have you noticed a big difference in, in, in coaching those two genders? I really haven't. You know, the guys are uh, very similar to the women. They just want to be their best. And I think if you can help them get there, you know, it doesn't matter to them, you know, who you are, as long as you know you know what you're doing and you can help them. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, and this is strictly your opinion, like, do you feel like there's something that a woman does bring unique to a male locker room? Like, do you, do you feel like there's something that the male coaches can't bring, obviously, but do you feel like there's something unique that a woman brings? Um, I think it's always unique to have a diverse staff in general. You know, obviously when I was a head coach, I tried to make my staff as diverse as possible just to try to cover as many check boxes as we could as far as relating to players and experiences. And, you know, I think it is important. Um, I didn't really think about that until Coach Rivera brought it up. You know, he felt that it was sometimes a, a calming, you know, because I was around and, mm-hmm. you know, um, sometimes things weren't as crazy because I was around, which, you know, I didn't really notice. But um, I do think it's important to be diverse as possible, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to for the overall experience. Yeah, and it's, it's so interesting that Coach Rivera used that word because when I just was talking with Buddy, he used the same word. <laughs> must be, it must be true. It, it must be true. <laughs> it's got to be hashtag truth, right? So, no, I, I just think that's really interesting because I, I, I mean, you know, Buddy and I had this long conversation about it, but I just really feel like women really do bring a lot to the development of young men. And it's like when I think about it, like I've my experiences and who the person I am today is an accumulation of the men and the women in my life. Absolutely. It's not women just taught me how to be a woman, you yeah. know. It's like and so I feel like there's just this value around helping young people have a balance of qualities that we want them to be a whole person, you know. And if for example, we might attribute com- compassion with women mm-hmm. and competitiveness with men, but right. yet don't we all want to be compassionate when we want to be need to be compassionate Absolutely. and have those feminine qualities, but also be competitive when we need to be competitive right you know so if i'm raising a child i want them to have both you know regardless of their gender Mm -hmm. you know um so i think it's to me i think it's just so great that there's people like scott pioli and and buddy tevens out there that and you know coach rivera that are being visionary with it. I think uh, the coach at Tampa Bay, too, doesn't he have quite yes. a few females on his staff His as coach well. Arians has yeah. hired two full-time, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's, you know, that's kind of unheard of what he did, mm-hmm. and they're doing a great job there. Yeah. What What is your ultimate um, goal? Uh, ultimately, you know, sometimes it changes just because this is my first experience at the collegiate level, so mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how I like the, the college level versus the professional level. Um, right now, I would love to be back at the professional level, um, ultimately. But, you know, I, I may like this college level and may end up wanting to stick around a little bit and be a position coach at, here. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, I know you haven't been here very long. So, in all fairness to our listeners, you, you've been in at Dartmouth for how long? Um, like four days, five days. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, know? so yeah. yeah, I know it's been like a huge uh, move and transition and whatnot. So I know I really there's really not a whole lot that you can probably tell me about Dartmouth football yet. But if you had a first impression, what what is your first impression of the vibe or the culture so far? Uh, I think it's a great culture. You know, I could feel that when I came up to to meet the coaches, and that that's so important. You know, one of the the ways I I think I was successful coaching basketball was just building a strong culture. And you know, when you come here, you can feel the culture, and it comes from the top down. You know, mm-hmm. Coach Stevens is awesome. Assistants are awesome, and you know, really the players can't help but you know, adhere to that standard of the program. And I think that's my initial thought of here, and, and I look, really like it. Mm-hmm. And what when you talk about culture, um, what do you attribute to your success at Johnson & Wales as a, as a head coach? And, um, like, what would you consider your superpowers? Superpowers? <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, coaching Johnson & Wales, you know, I, I can relate to the players – a lot of different aspects and I think you know building those relationships um with the players who are already there and also you know bringing in the the new recruits just being able to to have a normal conversation with them and you know it's not formal you know it's not you know oh coach is calling let me put on my my business voice you know it's Mm -hmm. it's nothing like that We, we have that relationship we can we can just talk and I think that's so important and you know once you get that relationship you know, they'll play hard for you. They'll play hard for each other. And, you know, those things were, were big. And I, I think that's really important with the culture is to build those relationships because you have that, you know, they'll, they'll run through the wall for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you hear so many people talk about culture. It's such a, you know, word that everybody uses. And yet I'm not really sure a lot of coaches know how to build it mm-hmm. or what is it really, mm-hmm. you know, and like, Becky, you know, my partner, she describes it as, you know, what, what do you allow? What do you, what do you allow to happen? You know, what do you say is okay? That's really what your culture is. You know, what are your expectations or your standards of excellence? And, um, if you, if you look at you coming up the ranks as a player and then becoming a coach, do you, was, was formulating your philosophy a conscious thing? Or did, you know, like when you were like kind of developing as a coach, did you remember thinking, oh, I got to write that down. I like that. Or, you know, I want to keep that as part of something that I do because, you know, we don't train coaches in our country. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious how it's always fascinating to me how coaches become coaches. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like really develop into a great coach because I don't know how that happens. It's like magic, right? Yeah. But do you remember that, like that process or Mm -hmm. thinking, wow, I really like that. I want to to use that when I'm a head coach. Yeah, I think, and especially once I knew that I wanted to coach, I started kind of paying attention more um, to what the coaches were doing. And it wasn't just going to practice or, you know, you really started looking or maybe started hanging out more with my coaches in college, mm-hmm. like going by their office, see what they're up to, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and those types of things. And then once I was an assistant coach myself, you know, seeing everything the head coach had to do and, and those things, you kind of start, um, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I really like how they did that. I'm not sure if I would do it that way. Um, and also, I mean, you know, coaching, we steal stuff all the time, plays and everything. Yeah, yeah, so, of right, course, right. you know, you're always writing things down and jotting and, mm-hmm. and stealing ideas. So, you know, I think it's absolutely you kind of put a lot of things together that you've learned and experienced and kind of make it your own. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that it's pretty, it's pretty safe to say that 
you would not be sitting in this seat in Dartmouth if you didn't have not just mentors in your life, but let's talk about the difference between a mentor and advocates. Um, because you've had some incredible male advocates. You know, it, it takes a guy, a man, to really give you this opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I struggle sometimes when I talk to women and how we need to have women helping women and, you know, those types of things. And I am of the philosophy, yes, we need women helping women. And we need to embrace the fact that there are men out there who want to help women. And I'm curious of your, your view on that, you know, as far mm -hmm. as your life path. You've had quite a few male advocates helping you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially with football, yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be a male yeah, helping no, you out and, and kind, of, sure. kind of vouching for you. But I think that's what's it's important for, you know, people in my situation and, you know, some of my other friends who coach football now to, you know, start helping and, and advocating for other females and just helping in general. You know, obviously, you know, it's kind of become famous in articles now, but, you know, my group chat I have with Katie from the 49ers mm -hmm. and Lo from the Bucks, you know, we, we talk all the time. And sometimes it's just basic questions that you probably wouldn't ask someone else and not necessarily X's and O's, just in general, mm -hmm. you know. And I think it's important to have those people to bounce ideas off of, to chat with, to see how, you know, their organization does something. And, because it's all about improving because kind of everyone's still new to this. You yeah, know, there's been right. coaches now for a few years, but in the, the broad, you know, just things, it's still very new. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we still talk about things, and I think that helps, you know, everyone in general, you know, because maybe you can, you know, if you have that relationship, you can go to your, your head coach or your ops person and be like, well, you know, this may be better for me, and, um, you know, I think we can do this, or I need this, and it's just maybe things people never really thought of or considered because it's just it was never a female around to to think about it, you know. And mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, I've had great experiences um, and, and no bad stories or anything about that. But I think it's it's really important for um, you know the people who have, have kind of made it a little bit in football to kind of help people behind us, you know. So it's not just a, a one and done type thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, as any first people there is this other pressure you got to be successful so you keep the door open for women right mm -hmm. do you have you felt that at all like you know like wow like I'm a pioneer here like I really need to do well so we can keep this train going yeah I mean I think you you want to do well obviously and that comes with you know continuing to learn you know it's not that you know, you, you made it or, or anything like that. You just continue to grow, continue to learn and do a great job. And I think the, the women who are currently coaching are all in it for the right reasons, you know, and doing great jobs and, and learning and, and growing the game um, for females. So, um, you know, I, mean, I know Katie and Lowe currently in the NFL. I mean, they're fantastic, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're they're doing a great job for their organizations. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can here at Dartmouth now and, and with the Panthers and out of Arizona and, you know, continue to grow, continue to learn and just really hone your craft. Mm -hmm. So, in, in other words, you're, you probably f might feel that pressure, but really you're just saying, I'm going to go in and do a great job. You Absolutely. Know, it's, it's like that's really my motivation, mm -hmm. but th that is kind of there, you know. Like, I don't know, can you really can't deny it, right? Like, you know, I'm part of the first generation of women coaches in college football and the NFL mm -hmm. um, it is 
a lot of eyes watching in other words you know yeah I mean absolutely but I mean that's that's somewhat coaching in general you know you're you live and die by what happens week to week and you're in the fishbowl you know, absolutely yeah. and, and especially in football there's only one game a week so yeah you know in Arizona we lost three games in a row at one point in the season and mm-hmm. it was just tough in the building you know because you live and die week to week so yeah. um but you know in, in coaching in general is tough you know you're you know, my right now in college, your life depends on decisions of 18 to 22 year olds. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> you know, That's so true, it, yeah. it, it's tough. It's a tough mm-hmm. profession. Yeah. And like when you think about um, young girls, you know, who love football, like I was, this, I loved football as a kid. Like my, my parents, I got a Cleveland Browns football <laughs> uniform for Christmas That's one awesome. year. And I, every Sunday, my father was an airline pilot and every Sunday, they all had bought a block of tickets for the Cleveland Browns and that they would go watch the game. So, but some days one of the pilots couldn't go. So I would be there like Sundays and waiting for the phone to ring. And my dad would say, okay, see you, you get to go, you know? And I can remember my first game was I went to the Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Colts. That's mm-hmm. how long ago yeah. it was, you know, like I think Johnny Unitas was the quarterback oh, legend, for the Baltimore yeah. Colts. Paul Warfield was playing for the Browns and um, Jim Brown was mm-hmm. a, a running back for them. And, it was just like, and I can remember keeping up with my dad. He goes, come on, you got to keep walking to the stadium, you know, like, come on, don't get behind. You know, yeah. it was just, it was just a great, great memory for me. And um, so when you think about it, the young girls, you know, to me, that would be a dream would be to coach football, you know, but it wasn't ever even an option, right. right? Like, do you feel that too? Like there's a lot of young girls looking to you. Do you embrace that, that uh, to be like that role model? Yeah, that was something that I never really even thought of or considered when I was getting into this. And now that you're in it, you know, you get the messages and, you know, people come up to you at games, you know, talking about how your your girl, their girl wants to coach football now and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's it's, that representation, I think, is huge. And, um, you know, to see someone in a role that you've never seen that looks like you, it, it's big. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've kind of, I have embraced that. You know, it's kind of just a role model and try to answer any questions people may have and, because um, it is big, you know, for the next generation to see it. Yeah, for sure. It's like it, it's it's such a really unique time, and I, I'm always fascinated when you think about social change in sport. And if you look at it just from an opportunity sense, from people of color to you know women or whatever, it's really taking people who have that visionary aspect to themselves mm-hmm. or say why not you right. know and and you know it's it's almost like in your role is a lot like when they started hiring um african-american football coaches like well you're taking jobs you know from the white guys you know mm-hmm. whatever and now women getting that same right. rap as football coaches yeah. like you're taking jobs from <laughs> men you know right. kind of thing so have you thought about that or have you felt that at all um not really you know obviously you see some comments here and there about stuff like that but i just I don't even really pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Coach Aarons uh, from Tampa had one of the best quotes. You know, when he hired his females, he said he felt they were the best for uh, what he wanted in that position. And, you know, just like any other coach, they can be fired if they don't live up to it. And that, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want anything special. You just want that opportunity. And, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of those instances that you mentioned, that's all it took was someone giving someone an opportunity and it opened mm-hmm. the door for, you know, everyone else. Yeah, and – I think that's what I, you know, when I was talking to Buddy and and talking to you is like, there's this element of courage 
to step outside of the comfort zone, to step outside of what people normally do, or you know that that changes the course of your life, but also in some ways history. And so, to me, I, I feel like I'm really noticing that. I'm noticing that shift, and but I'm also feeling a sense of gratitude for the people that are willing to take those chances, like you know that are saying. We got to change this. This is stupid. Why aren't we doing this? Mm. You know, um, so I'm I'm sure you feel that gratitude as well. But <laughs> but it's kind of like um, I, I just think it's kind of a juicy time. Have you noticed that? Like a like in the world of athletics, where things are really shifting right now. The NCAA is kind of like no one knows what's going to go on with that. I yeah. mean, it's just like all these more women are starting to coach men I mean it's just it seems like a good juicy time for me yeah I mean it's definitely kind of a, a new day uh, mm-hmm. in sports and I mean it's exciting you know that any time that that happens of course there would be you know some people against change but I mean it, it's beautiful to see the growth in sport because I mean I'm a fan you know mm-hmm. so I know I love all sports so I keep up with everything mm-hmm. so it, it's really cool to see um, so many people getting opportun- women getting opportunities in the NBA now, and you know it's 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 crazy. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think it's important for you know to take those jobs and you know the risk that may come with it. You know that's you know I just I left a really nice coaching job, you know, to go kind of to an unknown in a state and place I've never been before. But you know sometimes you just got to do it. And, yeah, and, you know not be afraid of what could happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what they say a lot that the, a lot of ads I've spoken to. It's hard. That's what's hard with women. Like women aren't as apt to do that. Like to just up and move across the country. You know where where I, I think. If, and I don't mean that. I was like that too. I would go anywhere. You know. But I do think that sometimes women build a village where they are, and they don't like to move away from that village. You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so if you, one of the things I've noticed since I've started working with male and female coaches is that the men are very they there's a safety level with me to talk about things they're struggling with mm-hmm. and and if you haven't experienced this as a female coach working with male athletes um I'd really be curious to follow your career and see if that starts to happen more because mm-hmm. um I I feel like there's not a safe space for guys to share that they're struggling yeah um and have you experienced any of that yet where you might feel like the guy might be a little bit more comfortable talking to you about something personal than maybe he is with a male coach? I think so. I think, I think that kind of goes into that calming aspect that the coaches have mentioned. Um, I mean, I've had some great conversations with, with guys, you know, at the professional level and, you know, out in Arizona and that's part of just getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it's been some things, you know, we have conversations, we're talking, but then you look back on it, it's like, you know, that was a really good conversation. I mean, it wasn't even about football, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I have noticed that happens. I mean, I didn't know if it happened with the guys or not, but I just know, you know, with me, that's kind of been my experience. Mm-hmm. Do you, like, build in opportunities to get to know them? Like, do you say, hey, let's go grab lunch, or, or is it just – happenstance conversations that just happen when you're sitting in the lunchroom or something yes as a both yeah so far it's been kind of just happenstance just because you know you're so busy you don't really have time to set things up like that but I mean obviously at the professional level you're around the athletes 
way more than here. That's the first thing I've noticed. You know, we don't even see them until like two or three o'clock. Or at the professional level, you're around them all the eight time. in the morning. You're there all day um, with them. So interesting. It's a little different. It will be interesting to see here how those things happen. But you know, like even yesterday before practice or during practice, chatting with some of the guys. You know, it's been cool to start building those relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you just mentioned the difference between the college and the pro level. So walk people through what a pro week is like um because they you know, play on sunday and yeah. then or monday night or yeah. thursday night i guess now. yeah i mean it you know their days are really long at both levels you know essentially for the coaches the days are, are similar you know the pro level if you play on sunday um usually that's one of the best days especially if you win because you're kind of done after the game and um you know you'll come in on monday and break down the film and um, kind of put it to bed, as we say, and move on to your next opponent. You know, mm-hmm. you you work so hard for the game, and then just like that, you know, you're on to the next one. Yeah, and right. that's really how, how you have to be. And, you know, the guys in the NFL are usually off on Tuesdays, so get a lot of stuff done on Tuesday in preparation for your next game. And um, then they come back on Wednesday, and you have, you know, your Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice, and I have a Saturday walkthrough or travel. And, you know, most of those days for, for coaches are really long, you know, 14 mm-hmm. hours or mm-hmm. however long you're there yeah, <laughs> to get right, it done. Right. And yeah, so it's definitely, you know, a lot of people just see the games. <laughs> you don't see all the work and things that go into it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the schedule so far been been similar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking to Buddy for a long time about his philosophy around no tackle. Um, what do you think about that? Like um, and, and, and I know you've only been here for four yeah, days, yeah. so in all fairness. But I, I'm just curious because it is such a unique thing in the football world. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is actually um, working with the Panthers, we didn't tackle either. Hmm. Um, and obviously I know you know some people feel at the collegiate level should tackle more just because they're college guys and not pros. But um, I remember in the NFL, the first time I saw someone get hit was in a game. Because hmm. in, in practice, the Panthers never went live. Um, which I know is not, you know, normal for everyone. But um, so it's not that big of a, a shock to me just because Cause I'm kind of used to it. That, yeah. yeah, we didn't have the, you know, the MVPs moving around with remote <laughs> yeah. controls. But, Are those uh, cool? They're really cool. Yeah. Now, who's yeah. running those remote controls on the MVPs? Um, it's one of the guys. I'm, I'm not sure of his name, but I think he, he controls one of them, I know. That's yeah. really crazy. Mm-hmm. So... Um, if you're listening to this interview with Jen and you didn't listen to mine with Buddy yet, the MVPs are these mechanical dummies that they've developed here with the engineering program, the Thayer Engineering School here, and they actually simulate um, real people on the field mm-hmm. so that they're not hitting each other. They're actually hitting these dummies. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was laughing with Buddy because I saw him on Stephen Colbert yeah. <laughs> doing it, yeah. doing, uh, you know, getting hit, you know, having Stephen Colbert uh, tackle the dummy. It was yeah. pretty funny. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I think that's just a really, really um, unique situation. Let's move on to some of our rapid fire questions. Okay. So, what would you say is some of the best advice you've ever been given? Um, you know, be a champion in the job that you're in. You know, don't look ahead too far. Um, just be the best in your current position. You know, that's such great advice for people who are trying to build a role on a right. team. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, like, you know, make the most of the minutes you get. Yeah. You know, some people just go in pouty because they're only getting five, right? right. Do the best you can. That's great. What's a common mistake you think assistant coaches make? I think a common mistake is kind of trying to do their own thing. 
especially when you you know you you work for a head coach so whatever their vision is is your vision <laughs> um and you know that's something you know you learn as an assistant I think that's important to support always support the head coach even if you may not agree mm-hmm. I think it's super important to support them that's great and what about head coaches that you've worked for or maybe some mistakes you might have made as a head coach but what is a common mistake you think head coaches make um I think sometimes trying to do too much um you know you have assistants for a reason you hire good people you know don't be afraid to to give them more tasks to do mm-hmm. what do you think is a common mistake very talented athletes make um, just relying on their talent, you know, that, I think that's the one of the biggest things I've seen. That's one really cool thing about being able to work uh, with the Panthers is even though these guys are the best at the wor- in the world at what they do, like, they're wide open every day. There's no days off for them, and mm-hmm. I think that was cool to see. What is something unique most people don't know about you? Oh, man. I really love music, all mm-hmm. kinds. And uh, I'm actually left-handed, but I throw in everything right-hand, so everyone thinks I'm right-handed. Interesting. Were you a police officer? I was. Okay. Yeah. How long? I guess you... that's, that's, that's one Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I read that somewhere. You know, yeah, so. yeah. I was a police officer for four years. Oh wow! Yeah. And what, where was that? Uh, in Hot Point, North Carolina. Okay. All right. If you could have lunch with anyone, dead or alive, who would that be? It's one of those questions I've always seen other people ask. And no one's ever asked, <laughs> actually asked me that. Um, I think President Obama, you know, he's, he's just so cool to me. And yeah. He's done so much. I think it would be great yeah. to sit down and chat with him. Yeah, well, that's great. So when you get that lunch invite, will you invite me? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because <laughs> I'd like to go with you to that. Um, great, co- oh, I want you to fill in the blank here. Great coaches know how to manage people. So true. Great. Do you have a personal mantra you live by? Not really. I just, you know, just grind, you know, put the work in, whatever it takes to get the job done. You know? You're funny because that's so funny because that is what Buddy said. Oh. So you're perfect. You're perfect working for Buddy. That's really funny. Besides exercise, a healthy part of my daily ritual is? Um, just diet, you know. It's a lot of sitting around sometimes as coaches, and you want to make sure you're not eating too crazy, and there's always something bad around to mm-hmm. tempt you, but uh, I think that's the most important thing. Is there anything that you do to nurture your spirit, that aspect of yourself, to rejuvenate your your energy level so that you feel like you come fresh every day? Like, do you wake up early and do any reading or anything like that? Um, I think just the decompression after work is important for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's always been important. It's just get away uh whenever you leave and um i know that was something that was definitely being a police officer was big because you never know what you may have encountered that day sure um but i think that kind of helped me do that and i think it's still important now as a coach Mm -hmm. um what is one piece of advice you'd give your 20 year old self Um, looking back just don't be afraid to to go after what you want you know Obviously, I loved football then, but I didn't really see anyone in football that looked like me, so mm-hmm. I went basketball route, you know, and that's, yeah. that's kind of what I thought I had to do. Mm-hmm. Let's see. If I wasn't coaching, I would be a blank. Oh, man, I really don't know. Uh, maybe like a commentator, you know, I, mm-hmm. I like to talk sports, so maybe maybe a commentator. And I mean, I love being a police officer as well, mm-hmm. so I think if it wasn't for sports, I probably would have stuck with that or maybe even went federal. Mm-hmm. Who inspires you? 
uh, I think my parents, you know, they, they did a, a really good job with me and my sister and, you know, they support me no matter what I'm doing or how crazy it is or when I call to let them know I'm moving across the country, it's it's not really anything. They support me, you know, no matter what I do. So I think that's huge. Do you think with your parents raising two girls and was your father like in a position like and, and your mother, I guess, did they just say, you know, you can do anything you want as a girl? I mean, did you... You did. You never had a parent say, "Girls don't do that." No, not really. Only mm-hmm. time my mom would let me play football. <laughs> that was the only time. But uh, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, they've always supported me, you know, mm-hmm. so much. And that's one of those things you really know as you get older how hard it is to make every game. But they they manage to do it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Um, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up Catholic, and we had to go to first communion. And, you know, I did not want to wear a dress. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was not going to wear this dress, right? You know, my mom. So my mom gets innovative, right? And she go, comes in and she goes, look, Celia, I found one with basketballs on it. It was all these circles, you know? And that's how she talked me into that's wearing funny. this dress. That's uh, You know, come on. You got to give my mom some, that's good. you know, yeah. some cred, street cred with that one. Um and I know you're really young in your career, but even though you have you've got quite a coaching resume um, already, uh, what what do you hope are three words people would use to describe your coaching legacy? Um, honest, you know, um, I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, loyal, which I think is important to your your team and your your school or um, organization, and um, fun. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember. We're still coaching the game and, you know, always have fun with it. Yeah. Great. Well, Jen King, thank you so much uh, for taking time to talk to me today. And also, um, thank you for having the courage to follow this path because there's this element of you love it, you're enjoying it, it's what you want to do, and it's always courageous to be walking a new path for women and I really do appreciate what you're doing, so thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. Hi, coaches. Thank you so much for joining us on this Coaches on the Rise episode. There's a few little things that we'd really like to ask you to do for us that might seem little, but they're huge for True North Sports. First, if you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe. And we'd really like to hear what you have to say about our podcast by writing a short review. The second thing is please share our podcast with other coaching colleagues that you have. And the third thing is join us on social media. Follow the different programs, um, things that we're offering through True North Sports for all coaches of all sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. And until next month, keep shining bright, coaches.